Welcome to the discussion, how will the future of work change in government? Part of the Future Forward Government Series, sponsored by Deloitte. Here's today's moderator, Tom Tammen. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Lucy Melvin, Senior Manager for the Human Capital Practice at Deloitte Consulting, LLP. Cynthia Bullock is Human Resources Director and Division Administrator at the Virginia Department of Transportation. And Dia Taylor is Chief Human Capital Officer and Deputy Ethics Counselor at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's good to have you all here today. And let's get right to it. It's an exciting time but also a difficult time to be in human resources, I think, in the public sector. And a lot of new technology innovations, especially in the information area, cognitive technologies, cognitive recognition technologies, artificial intelligence, all of these things are starting to impinge on the work that people do. And Dio, why don't we start with you? Are you looking at these things, and how will you inculcate them in a way that is positive for your workforce? Sure. We're absolutely looking at um, how artificial intelligence and other technologies will change the way we do public health work, and we're looking at it in a really positive way. And so our workforce, we have a task force that was established a couple of months ago, actually back in October of last year, and we've been looking really hard at how we uh, incorporate data science, how we ensure that our workforce is data fluent, um, not just our, our scientific community, but also our administrative staff so that they understand the importance of how to use data for decision making. So we're embracing it in a really positive way. We're looking at ways to use artificial intelligence to take on that more transactional type work to crunch bigger data so that then we can use our scientists and our administrators to do that more uh, human-centered work. And so we're, we're embracing it. We look at it as a really positive thing for the future for our agency. Yeah, that idea of data fluency, that seems to underline a lot of this type of, uh, a lot of these technologies and a lot of the way work is changing. How will you get that data fluency into people? So we're looking at a couple of different ways. And so one way we're looking at it is to ensure that we're hiring people who are data fluent. So looking at different markets and networks um, that we'll use to hire this new skill set. But then also in reskilling our workforce, we'll be working to assess their skills and determine those who can be reskilled or upskilled because they have a foundational level skill that we can use to ensure they have the data fluency that we're looking for. And again, helping them understand how to use data in their day-to-day work. Interesting. Yeah, okay. And Cindy, VDOT, I mean, transportation itself is changing so much, uh, even as we speak. So what's going on there? It is. We have a lot of conversations surrounding uh, the way that transportation is changing, and there's so much information available um, in regard to futuristic topics such as autonomous vehicles and um, drones that can do first-line bridge inspections to sensors and roadways and vehicles. So we're having those conversations. We're looking at macro trends across transportation as a whole, um, not just in the Commonwealth, but in how that's going to affect us, what disruptors we're seeing that are going to impact the way that we do work. And from that, we, um, we also looked internally to see what's happening in our own organization and what our own workforce and leaders see coming forward. And so from that, we can start to plan for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And in applying these tools, I guess, is it fair to say there's an external focus on the field of transportation itself? And that's becoming a data-generating force, if you will. And also internally, as people do things and have habits and works and interaction, that generates data about the workforce itself. Absolutely. So we, we took all of that information from both the external and internal um, scans and put them into action. Honestly, we, we um, did a kind of put some initiatives, be, well, created initiatives from that information. We kind of packaged it the right way so that we could take action. And that has, is exactly what influenced um, what we are going to focus on. Interesting. Okay. And Lucy, you have a pretty broad view across government and yeah. uh, both federal, I guess, and state. 
And what are the big trends here with respect to adopting some of these cognitive, let's say, or AI types of technologies? Yeah. Well, it's exciting. I think that's the thing that you can definitely hear from, from everything that's being shared because what we're recognizing is that this is really about the opportunities to augment human work with technology. So it's, it's not replacing the work that humans are doing. It's thinking about more effective ways to do work, whether that is augmenting human intelligence or um, looking at automating things that are highly transactional so that humans in the workforce can be focused on the things that are um, more high value and added value. And that that's something when we look across the federal government, that's been part of the president's management agenda is moving from low value to high value work. Um, and we also are seeing some, you know, some movement across agencies to grapple with these questions of how do we get the skills that we need? How do we get more data scientists, especially across federal agencies? Um, OPM just recently put out some guidance on how that can be done within current classifications. And I think there are good questions being generated by leaders like yourselves about what different agencies need and what may need to change in the future when we think about how the government workforce is classified. Yeah, that's a really good point, the idea of augmentation, because I think the most important thing for many people in doing their jobs is to have discretion in mm -hmm. how they go about it, the job itself, and also the decisions they make with respect to the content of their job, whether it's a public health type of scientist researcher or someone concerned with, you know, what should the traffic pattern mm -hmm. and light cycles right. be at this particular right. big intersection. And so uh, I guess how, the question is, how do you get people to understand and overcome their skepticism that this can actually make it your job more enjoyable, even though you might spend less time doing something that that machine we're going to put in will do? So one thing we've done over the last year or so has been to include our workforce in the future direction as we're visioning. So we're bringing them to the table, you know, either through focus groups um, because of their background, so by what we call occupational series, or by network, you know, bringing our young professionals network, talking to the employees to say, here are some changes we're considering. Here's the future vision for our organization and how we will use different technologies and techniques to get our work done. Talk, talk that through with us. So what our goal is to engage them so that they will adopt fast and then become advocates in many ways as well. So we're involving them pretty early and pretty consistently through the process so that they don't feel like something's being done to them, that they have um, instead have become a part of the solution for the future. Well, I imagine some of the maybe the strongest skeptics initially can become your best allies over Absolutely. time. Absolutely. That is the goal. That is the goal for inclusion and engagement. And Cindy, your organization deals much more directly with the average person in the public because everybody complains about traffic yes. and everything that VDOT might touch. And so how can it help in that process of the interaction between VDOT people and the public, which is really such a big topic sure. nowadays across all government agencies, that, that uh, citizen service, if you will. Right. Um, same thing as what Dia said. We, we keep them very, very engaged and informed because if they know, if they don't know, then they're not able to have those conversations or answer those questions. So we engaged them from the beginning in, um, in helping those initiatives that I just talked about a minute ago. And we created those. They helped in that process. So we first gathered information on what they were seeing, and then we were able to help. We, um, Deloitte actually led a, a focus group with a group, a large group of leaders to say, okay, let's take all that and, as I said earlier, prioritize. They were a part of that. So by having that understanding, um, and obviously that was a smaller group, but every message that we have is consistent, and that's starting from leadership 
through human resources, through um, through all of our, our um, leaders, is to say this is about preparing you for the future. It's changing whether we want it to or not. So this is about preparing you, giving you the tools that you need, and just helping them to understand what's happening. And one of the other things that I've found that has been helpful, we have found, is that giving them real examples of how things change mm-hmm. and what it means to them in their daily work, that, that helps it to resonate. Mm-hmm. And then they can, you know, they understand and they're not so fearful and, and they see that, yeah, this really is working and it's sure. not just something we're talking about. So Lucy, it sounds like if you do that right groundwork, mm-hmm. by the time these tools come around, people, it'll seem natural to them. It's like, this is the right thing to do. Right. It, exactly. It's a lot about engaging your workforce so that they understand the benefits and, um, and feel part of that journey for the organization. They understand the vision for where things are going, how the mission is changing, um, how those technologies can help them as an employee, and also how they help achieve the mission more effectively. Um, I think something that we know across government organizations is that that's a motivation for employees, is really being a part of the mission and execution of that. And fundamentally, when we talk about applying these new technologies to the work, it helps improve mission delivery. And that's, that's sort of that fundamental opportunity that we can't lose sight of as we talk about it. All right, good place to take a break. My guests today are Lucy Melvin, Senior Manager for the Human Capital Practice at Deloitte Consulting, LLP. Cindy Bullock as Human Resources Director and Division Administrator at the Virginia Department of Transportation. And Dia Taylor as Chief Human Capital Officer and Deputy Ethics Counselor at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, on the discussion, How Will the Future of Work Change in Government? Part of the Future Forward Government Series, sponsored by Deloitte Consulting, LLP, here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Disruptive forces like tech and new talent models are dramatically changing the way we work. How can government leaders navigate the future of work in the public sector? The future of government work is unfolding along three dimensions, work, workforce, and workplace. Deloitte Insights discusses these three dimensions and other key issues that government and public sector organizations are facing today, including automation and human-centric design. To learn more, visit our webpage at Deloitte.com slash insights slash future of gov work. Welcome back to our discussion. How will the future of work change in government? Part of the Future Forward Government series sponsored by Deloitte Consulting LLP here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guests today are Lucy Melvin, Senior Manager for the Human Capital Practice at Deloitte Consulting LLP. Cynthia Bullock as Human Resources Director and Division Administrator at the Virginia Department of Transportation. And Dia Taylor is Chief Human Capital Officer and Deputy Ethics Counselor at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And earlier we talked about all of these technological changes coming into the workforce and the nature, it's changing the nature of work. How is it affecting the workforce? And how can a large organization respond to these changes in the workforce, again, to make the mission work better and to make it a great place for people to work? Cindy, why don't we start with you? Sure. Well, um, again, our, our mission has been from the very get-go, our message has been it's about preparing the, the workforce that we have. So as we embark on this journey and realize that we need new skill sets and, and new talents, um, we're retooling, reskilling, retraining the, the folks that we have. Um, now we know that there's going to be new skill sets that we need. There's going to be knowledge sharing, building different um, skills. But we're going to do. We're going to start with the people that we have. It's very much about the people that we have on board. It's not about doing less work, just changing the way that we do the work. Dia. Sure. So another aspect of that, I would say, in addition to what Cindy mentioned, we're also um, making sure that we ensure that our supervisors 
our leadership have the right set of skills to manage this new workforce. Um, a lot of our employees will, especially as we're bringing in new individuals, so I want to speak to that. So we have a workforce right now that tends to come and stay forever. I mean, they will, mm -hmm. they have long tenure um, at CDC. What we're, what we know about this next generation workforce is that, that they should not have that same expectation. We we're going to have a workforce that's going to be a lot more mobile. They may stay for a shorter period of time, but they'll make a huge impact in that short period of time. So we're training our managers on how to manage a different type of workforce so that they are better prepared for the future and can better manage a workforce that expects to kind of hit it fast, hit it hard, make an impact, and then leave the organization. So we're focusing there as well. Yeah, and Lucy, that strikes me that the management that might be the one leading the bringing in some of these new technologies and changing mm -hmm. the workforce, that doesn't absolve them from being a part of the change in some sense. Definitely, and that's a very important thing. I think, um, you know, as we're talking about reskilling and upskilling, that's not just for your staff. That's that's at every level of the organization, preparing for the changes that are coming, and and that means making sure that there's the right awareness and understanding from a leadership level down through management to all employees of what these changes mean, um, and also providing people with the opportunities to gain those skills and understanding. And that can be both technical skills themselves, but also, um, it, you know, Dee, I think what you mentioned about management skills is very important. Um, you know, as we embrace more technology and people start working in different ways, that requires you as a supervisor to have a different understanding of what it means to supervise and manage your employees. It may not be that you're seeing them face-to-face -face every day um, in the same way if you have a more mobile workforce. Mm -hmm. um, it may be that you have to learn how to use different communication tools and technologies to connect with people on your team, um, to supervise their work, to give them feedback, and also to think differently about what they're looking for in their job and what their expectations are in terms of the feedback and development that they're receiving. And when data is the basis of so much of the work changes, that changes the nature of something that Dia mentioned, and that's collaboration. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more how interaction among groups, work groups, or within divisions, and that whole collaboration and knowledge transfer uh, can be enhanced in this new kind of era. Dia? Sure. So we're looking at um, our workforce in terms of networks as teams, which are really different than what we've done in the past. We, in some instances, have really siloed organizations. I work on this organism only, and I don't talk to other people who don't work on this organism. But there's a great value um, and a commonality that can happen across data that makes it much more powerful when networks come together to solve problems. And so we're really promoting that more. Um, we're actually even changing some of our work climate, the way our work uh, space looks, to ensure that people can do this work more collaboratively in networks as teams. So. Yeah, so the data could say, well, you and I, you work on this bacteria, I work on that one. But little did we know those two bacteria get together Correct. and cause some problems, so maybe we should get together. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we're helping people see that now, and data provides that, that lens that we haven't always had in the past. Mm -hmm. Sure. And uh, Cindy, what about in the transportation realm? Um, well, part of the, the way that we're sharing information, and whether it be just data or organizational knowledge, is we, we're developing two-way mentorship programs that is helping to people to collaborate. Um, that two-way means that you can take the, the, the next generation of V-daughters, as we call them, and as they're coming in the organization with new perspectives and new information, new way of doing things, um, they're able to you know, feel that that information is welcomed in the organization, even by veterans who have been there for 30 plus years, mm -hmm. who tend to be very guarded in what they do, and they also don't, you know, so there's, there's value on, on both sides of that. So really getting them to talk to each other and share and collaborate. 
Yeah, and that gets to an issue, uh, Lucy, of the length of careers and career mm -hmm. phases, because I think in the federal sector and maybe in the state and local sector, you tend to have aging workforces, mm -hmm. but yet everyone wants to bring in new, fresh, young talent and so forth, mm -hmm. and so age and talent are really not as closely correlated or as they might have been in you know generations past. And people are working longer for a variety of reasons. They're yeah. living longer, yeah. and you know nobody wants to be retired for 40 years or something. So, right. how does uh, how can these again these technologies, these new work forms, mm -hmm. be brought to bear on an aging workforce that might want to stick around, yeah. but you don't want them to age in place. You want them to renew themselves, and regardless right. of when they were born. Well, and that's that is one of the big macro trends that we've seen when we look at how the future of work is is changing. Is that Careers are longer, lifespans are longer, we're all thankfully healthier and, um, and we're seeing that play out. And that means that the notion that you have one career is, you know, is the way of the past. Most of us are going to have multiple careers and sort of reinvent ourselves over time in our work. And so the question is what that means for organizations and how we're attracting and um, developing and rewarding talent and recognizing that that changes that career model. Um, what it also introduces, I think, is exciting opportunities for thinking differently about what employment looks like mm -hmm. or how, as an organization, you access talent. Yeah. So um, someone who's toward the end of their career may not be ready to, to bow out completely, but might be interested in a more flexible or different kind of work arrangement where they have the opportunity to share their knowledge, their talents, um, but on you know different terms than maybe a full-time role as, as we've historically defined work. And so those are the, the horizons I think that organizations are still exploring and trying to understand what would that look like and what does that mean for our workforce policies and, and for how we're managing the workforce. Sure, and Dia, the other flip side of that is retention because yes. people may want to stay forever, but then every agency has retention issues. And can these new ways and new technologies help in that vein? I, be, I believe they can because, again, it allows individuals, if they're willing, to explore new ways to do the work that they have been doing for quite some time. And it, again, makes them more efficient. So there may be some pride in learning something new or even in doing some knowledge transfer with individuals who are coming into the organization. So I think it has benefits for retention as well. All right, we'll take a break on that note. My guests today are Lucy Melvin, Senior Manager for the Human Capital Practice at Deloitte Consulting, LLP. Cynthia Bullock is Human Resources Director and Division Administrator at the Virginia Department of Transportation, VDOT. And Dia Taylor is Chief Human Capital Officer and Deputy Ethics Counselor at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is how, the, how Will the Future of Work Change in Government? Part of the Future Forward Government Series, sponsored by Deloitte Consulting, LLP, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Disruptive forces like tech and new talent models are dramatically changing the way we work. How can government leaders navigate the future of work in the public sector? The future of government work is unfolding along three dimensions, work, workforce, and workplace. Deloitte Insights discusses these three dimensions and other key issues that government and public sector organizations are facing today, including automation and human-centric design. 
To learn more, visit our webpage at Deloitte.com slash insights slash future of gov work. Welcome back to our discussion. How will the future of work change in government? Part of the Future Forward Government series sponsored by Deloitte Consulting LLP here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guests today are Lucy Melvin, Senior Manager for the Human Capital Practice at Deloitte Consulting LLP. Cynthia Bullock is the Human Resources Director and Division Administrator at the Virginia Department of Transportation. And Dia Taylor is the Chief Human Capital Officer and Deputy Ethics Counselor at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And Lucy, I wanted to ask you what you're seeing in this new technological kind of driven and data-driven sort of setup that's affecting workplaces in the highly regulated environments that are federal and state and local agencies. What are some of the new management policies and practices you're seeing that foster connectivity, Mm -hmm. collaboration, mobile working, that all of these technologies underlie in some sense? Definitely. We're seeing a lot of uh, promising opportunities, and those changes are, you know, we focus so much on how technology is changing the work itself that's being done, um, how it's augmenting the work, but it's also changing the way employees connect, the way teams communicate, the way um, organizations are able to support their employees um, with technology and tools to do their work effectively. Um, and so that's changing, you know, what we think of as the workplace, right? It's not just about the physical location, um, and it never has been, especially when we think about the mission um, of these organizations. The work that's being done out in the field is critical to the mission. Mm-hmm. So it's all about how can we use technology tools um, to allow information to be shared more quickly? How do we make sure that systems that employees are using are um, able to be accessed uh, remotely, you know, on mobile devices or when they're out in the field, um, what are communication tools that um, can improve, you know, real time, whether that's, um, you know, by chat or by video um, interaction, can improve real time communication between employees and the organization. Um, and those are the types of changes that we see that are really helping um, improve. Uh, the delivery of the mission and allow employees to um, be more engaged in their work and, and focus on the creative and human elements of their work. And that, that also gets back to that augmentation idea. If mm-hmm. people are equipped with information and yep. everybody's up to date, then the horrible conference call or the dreaded meeting can be way more productive. Exactly. Because you can spend just a few minutes talking about real stuff because right. everyone already has all of the exchanges that would have taken up so much time. That's right. That's right. All right. Dia, do you find that's the case? These things are changing from your standpoint as uh, overlooking everybody, in a sense, at the CDC? Sure, I absolutely do see that in many instances. And one of the examples I would share is that in terms of technology and how we're advancing technology, our folks are really looking at how do we put um, mobile applications first as a first approach to development for our employees to ensure that if they're out um, in the field doing disease surveillance work, maybe out in West Africa on an Ebola response, they're easily able to kind of quickly gather information from their surveillance and give that information back to individuals back in Atlanta to kind of crunch that data and get some surveillance statistics out that can help us track down disease much faster. So we're looking at that as an option to put mobile technology out there first for our workforce, and that is our kind of stance that we're using moving forward. Yeah, and the implication there then is that there has to be managerial collaboration with IT, with the program people, and with the different channels of of the particular health topics and disease topics that, you know, that characterize CDC. Absolutely. All right, and uh, Cindy at VDOT. 
Yeah, so, um, you have a multimodal agency also. We, we do, and, so, and it, it, I think it's interesting, when we first started with this initiative, we, we were talking about workforce skills, you know, as we talked about earlier, and it quickly evolved to understanding all these things that, that you're saying here, is that it evolves a whole, involves a whole lot more than just the, the skill sets and, and technology being a big piece of that. So those initiatives, we ended up shifting from the Workforce of Tomorrow project to the VDOT of Tomorrow to, mm-hmm. to incorporate all these kinds of things. So we've two, two of the things that we're doing, are we have a very, uh, one out of our 10 initiatives, one of them is a uh, coordinated approach to innovation, and one of them is a uh, agency-wide technology strategy because we had a lot of different strategies. We needed a coordinated approach to that as well. So that's going to help us to be able to do that and leverage all those, all those things that are changing. I'm wondering if some kind of rationalization of multi-agency or multi-department infrastructure can enable some of this so that people don't have to worry about their own IT infrastructure but can get the value out of these types of applications. Lucy? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's, it. you know, again, when we look at some of the macro trends across, especially the federal government, um, and look at the president's management agenda, you know, there are moves to how can agencies work more efficiently How can we look at models such as shared services to make the delivery of those mission-enabling functions in the back office more effective um, so that we can focus more on the mission work? Um, And I think all of that is is in the vein of the future of work, is making sure that the the tools um, and the technology that employees need to do their work are available to them and accessible to them, um, and that we're doing that in the most efficient way so that we as taxpayers... Um, are seeing the the benefit of the mission, but in the most effective way possible. And Dia, you hinted at this earlier, but is the workplace physically changing as a result of all of these changes? I mean, you know, in the 50s, you had a 9 by 12 office with an 8 by 10 rug with a 3 by 4 desk and a 2 by 4 chair. And that was the whole, that was it. What, what, what What does it look like now down in Atlanta? It looks a lot like what I've seen in your studio, actually, in some instances, or at least out on the floor, where we have more open working environments. So you're seeing more cubicles, fewer harder wall offices, more open collaboration space, allowing and inviting employees to come out and talk more, solve problems in a more team-based approach. So the workspace is changing and adapting appropriately to, again, facilitate that, that different type of work in the way we work. Sure, because the technology itself requires different furniture almost than it did because you know, we've got big screens and multiple screens and so forth in, in many environments. Right. And so in, 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 you have to have a way of getting all this data and looking at it and seeing what it's doing. Cindy? Yeah, same thing. We're looking at exactly the same thing. Um, recognizing that to recruit and retain the right talent, we've got to, they're looking for those kinds of things as well. So it's not just about being productive as we can and, and uh, but also about getting the right people there and wanting them to stay. So we're looking at different work um, styles, different work locations, and, and comparing that. And what is the best um, work um, place for those particular uh, individual jobs? Sure. Okay, so Lucy, then summarize for us what should managers at public sector agencies do now? What should mm-hmm. they do in the next year yeah. to b- enable themselves to bring in these technologies and these new work styles Mm -hmm. Uh, in these new workforce uh, initiatives in a way that is positive and will get some acceptance all the way down the line. Yeah. So I think um, one is, you know, getting informed. So finding out about the things that are happening um, and understanding how technology is providing new opportunities for the workforce. Um, And then identifying those ways that they can apply it in their own organizations and in their teams, whether that is thinking about what's a new communication tool that everyone can be using to share information more effectively real time, 
um, or you know, or looking at what are the policies and practices or norms in the organization that will um, help them attract and retain the right workforce going forward. All right, so some work to do. Thank you all yeah. very much. Fascinating discussion. My guests today have been Lucy Melvin, Senior Manager for the Human Capital Practice at Deloitte Consulting, LLP. Cynthia Bullock is the Human Resources Director and Division Administrator at the Virginia Department of Transportation. And Dia Taylor is the Chief Human Capital Officer and Deputy Ethics Counselor at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, and you're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Deloitte. Thank you for listening to the discussion, How Will the Future of Work Change in Government? Part of the Future Forward Government Series, sponsored by Deloitte, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.